Welcome back to Tech Hot Dish. This is the podcast of the Minnesota High Tech Association, where we are dishing up news about what's happening in Minnesota's science and technology community. Uh, this is Mo Schreiner, the Minnesota High Tech Association. We are recording in our downtown Minneapolis offices, and I'm here with Ray Hoover from Minnesota High Tech. Ray? Hello. How are you doing, Will? Good. So again, we are downtown here in our offices which happened to be across the street from City Hall where the police department is. So if you hear any sirens in the background, it's not our emergency, right, Ray? I didn't do it. Yeah, so we are all calm and cool in our science and tech community. So in this episode, we are gonna be talking about innovators in biohealth. We've got a startup company based in St. Louis Park called Habit Aware. We're going to be talking about innovators. Ray, we like innovators, don't we? We absolutely like innovators. I really found this discussion interesting, so it was great to be able to listen in and, and hear what they were doing. It's one of the many fascinating stories for science and tech in Minnesota. Yeah, there's always these ideas that come up that you don't think even exist, and they're doing it here. And in this case, Habit Aware is uh, inventing a medical device. It's actually a wearable medical device to treat a syndrome it's called trichotillomania. Say that ten times yeah, fast. Okay, yeah, okay tr trichotillomania. Trich okay, you try it, Ray. It's your turn. Uh, no, I'm not even going to try it. All right. I give up. All right. So anyway, so after our Q and A with Habit Aware, um, we want to talk a bit more about the Minnesota high tech community and how we recognize and reward innovators in our state, um, because we've got the Techni Award coming up. Yeah, we do. Yes, we've got a deadline for applying here. Get your applications in. Yeah, you can do that on August 3rd, Mo, and I think... Before uh, August 3rd. Before August 3rd, well, by the end of the day on August 3rd, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity to uh, be recognized for the work that, that you're doing, so make sure to get your applications in. We'd love to have you apply for one of our awards. Yeah, we know there's a lot of cool stuff happening out there, so think about what it is that you think of as innovations. And we've got 15 different categories, so go and take a look at that. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Techni Awards later on in the program here. And then we're going to talk about another tongue twister, uh, the federal programs, um, SBIR and STTR, uh, with our in-house expert here, Pat Dillon. She's the director of Minnesota SBIR here. And then we've got a calendar of things going on. There's always something going on. There's always something going on. We uh, just had a, one of our members had a crab boil out at their offices, Flex Central. That was great. There's always something fun going on in the summer in Minnesota. So we can't uh, stop talking about it. It's uh, summer. Science and tech scene is cooking. So let's get talking. So now we're going to kick it off with our interview with Habit Aware co-founder Samir Kumar, talking about the innovation they have in a wearable medical device. Here's Samir. On our show today, we are privileged to have a startup company co-founder. So it is Samir Kumar from Habit Aware. Welcome, Samir. Thanks so much for having me, Mo. Good to be here. Yeah. And we are, uh, first of all, excited to announce that you've got some news this week that you got about some funding. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, we, we're, we've been um, over the moon. We got uh, a grant from the NIH which we've been working hard to get and secure for the last 
oh, 18 months or so. And so, uh, you know, when it came in, we were really excited to uh, to continue down this path of making a, a validated device for the disorders we treat. And you also have some venture capitalist funding that came through recently too, didn't you? Yeah, we've had uh, we've raised some some funds from from VCs over the last uh, two years or so, and um, yeah, so so all of that plus the grant um, funding I think is uh, what we're looking at. So let's talk a little bit about Habit Aware, the company. Um, tell us about what you do and how you got this startup started. Yeah, so it really was born out of personal need. My wife, Anila, and co-founder uh, at Habit Aware suffers from a disorder where she compulsively pulls out the hair on her eyebrows and eyelashes. And she's been doing it since she was, uh, I think, a tween and she had no idea what it was. She thought she was weird. She thought she was alone. Um, she, I think in college, 10 years later, she Googled it and learned it had a name. It's called trichotillomania, and millions of people suffer from it. But there's so much shame and guilt associated with this behavior that people don't really talk about it. And she was exactly, exactly following that, that uh, description to the T. Um, she, it was still really hard for her to talk about openly, and she even hid it from her friends and family, and that included me uh, after we got married. A couple years into our marriage, I noticed that uh, she actually, you know, was, it was a particularly bad time for her, and before she got her makeup on, I, it no, I noticed that she didn't have any eyebrows. And I said, whoa, where are your eyebrows? And she looked at me like a deer in headlights and said, you can't. And yeah, and that's when we set out to learn about this disorder and create, um, go ahead and we were fortunate to create something that actually worked for her and uh, now it's been helping lots of other people as well. So say the name of the disorder for me again. Yeah, it's a, it's a mouthful, trichotillomania. And it has an acronym, right? Is it? Yeah, TTM sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think people will do anything to abbreviate it or trick just yeah, for short. They call it trick. Mm -hmm. And um, it has to, the, the idea of habit aware is that you're actually trying to take that habit that comes from this um, syndrome mm -hmm. and change it. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this behavior occurs on a spectrum of consciousness where they're not fully aware that they're doing it, or even if they are, they're in a, in, Kind of a trance-like straight, like um, uh, a trance-like uh, state where they're not fully aware or they can't really break free of it, even if they do know they're doing it. And so, uh, there's not very many good solutions out there on the market for it. It's a very difficult disorder to get a handle on. It can be destructive and, and even debilitating for many people. And so what, what we try and do is we identify when you're doing the behavior and bring you into awareness with a with kind of a jolt, a, a vibration that allows you to shift the conversation in your mind from, I have to get this hair, I have to get this hair, just this one, to more of a, hey, your hands are not where, they want, where you want them to be. You can do something else. You can try a breathing exercise, something like that. So it's wearable technology. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you put it around your wrist, 
and how does it feel? What does it do? Yeah, it's so it's just like any other uh, wearable that that might be worn these days, uh, a Fitbit or a, any activity tracker. We've designed it to look pretty discreet, easily explainable um, as something else if, if someone's not comfortable. And uh, you know, so so a person will wear it, and then whenever they are doing their behavior or in that in that area, they might get a vibration, which allows them to to just pull away. Yeah, and um, this is pretty sophisticated technology. I mean, it sounds kind of simple of saying, oh, you're giving people this vibration when they're mm -hmm. moving their hand. Mm -hmm. But the technology is innovative because it actually tries to vibrate when they're going to do that particular behavior. Yeah, that's right. There's there's a lot that goes into it. And it's not, you know, that it's just when your hand is being raised to your head. Uh, you know, people do these in very, very different ways, these behaviors. And it's different from person to person to person. And so, you know, someone may pull from the back of their head or from the, the top or their eyebrows and eyelashes or even other areas of their body. And uh, what we try and do is we've identified what's common to those behaviors. And it's really characterized by a repetitive motion at a localized site on the body. Uh, my wife, for example, Anila, will scan her eyebrows or eyelashes uh, with her fingers before pulling. And most people have a behavior like that, a, a scanning motion of sorts. And that's what the algorithm really does is it identifies, um, it, you know, it identifies that characteristic behavior for that person and then looks out for it on a continuous basis. Now, your background is in engineering. I mean, you knew about kind of the mechanics of how these sort of um, products could work. Yeah, I have. A, I, I do have a background in engineering from from back in the day, undergrad, and uh, you know. So I, I, we were we're mostly we're technophiles, and really have been following the space. And it, this was around the time that Fitbits were out. Uh, Apple Watch wasn't yet out, um, so it was a, it was a couple of years ago that we were ideating this, and uh, we had you know to to get a hardware product out on the market. It takes a lot of different very different expert skill sets and we only had a handful of those between me and my wife yeah so tell me about this because you are in Minnesota mm -hmm. and so now you've got this company idea and you go out into the startup community and did you you, you found it helpful to be in Minnesota and connect make some connections yes you know believe it or not I guess you know somewhat surprisingly because uh, we moved here about six or seven years ago and for, for, you know, I moved here for a corporate job uh, from the East Coast, and I don't think we would have been where, we would be where we are today with the company if it wasn't for Minnesota. Uh, you know, we, we moved from New York, and I think it was just so, uh, there's so, so much going on there, but it's, it's so much less accessible than I think the community was in Minnesota, where we would start going to tech MN events or other startup events, and it was very welcoming. And we had an idea. We started sharing it with with people, and people really tried to help us with, oh, you know, you should go to this event, meet that person, so on. And that's exactly how we built our team and built our product. And that includes Minnesota SBIR through Minnesota High Tech Association. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so we. I think it, it was someone here who said, you know, you should look at SBIR funding for this, and and 
Pat Dillon runs a runs a course to educate people, and so we attended that. Um, in, you know, I think about two years ago, and that was just to get our feet wet, understand the lay of the land, and uh, really helped us think about how we could get this application together. Yeah, because this is not an easy thing to kind of pull together these sort of things, right? Yeah, it certainly takes work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so now you are in the process of trying to figure out what to do next, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how, what is the next step for how you're going to kind of proceed once you, so now you've got the NIH funding, mm -hmm. you've got some venture capital funding, now you're kind of moving on to the next step. I mean, how, what, what's the next step that you have to move forward with? Yeah, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> so, and it's very exciting. So we've been actually able to get get the product out and, and begin shipping um, in 2017. So we've been shipping for over a year now. And the product has been helping a lot of people, and which has been great. And, and people seem to be finding us, doctors are referring us to their patients. And, but there's always improvement um, to be made. And so that's really what we're looking to do now is continue focus on improving the product. And this grant is gonna be instrumental in that. I think what's amazing is the NIH saw in this in our product and in our progress to date uh, real potential to to treat this disorder um, right now we we market ourselves as a an awareness device and uh, for you know people find it helpful certainly um, but if this this product and the app can actually be a validated treatment for this hugely important disorder that people don't understand people don't talk about then that, that could be a game changer for, for the mental health space. Yeah, well, and that's why the innovation is collecting that kind of uh, attention to it and why it's attracting the funding, I'm sure, too. Yep, exactly. So um, part of this uh, operating a business, by the way, is also uh, doing some um, community awareness raising, too. So I know when I had um, spoken with you and Anila before that you are interested in the Techni Award. Um, tell me about that. I mean, what's your what? What do you know about the techniques so far? And and you're planning to apply? I, I think is what the the processes of what you have talked about. Yeah, you know, we honestly we don't know too much. What we do know is really encouraging, though. Techni, I think the techni awards. I think of them as just a, a nice celebration of the innovation that's going on in this region, frankly. And we want to be a part of it. We want to we want to celebrate as well. Um, it's it's the reason that we're we're where we are right now. And if we can get some recognition for the team that's done really good work, that would be awesome. Uh, but really, I'm just just looking forward to seeing how we can be a part of it. Um, and you're staying in Minnesota, right? I mean, I know that uh, one of the things that I was going to ask you about too is you actually moved over to China for part of your product development. Um, how did that happen? Yeah, we, we so we are staying in Minnesota. No plans to leave for sure. Uh, the as as part of uh, you know our development, we were really working nights and weekends to get prototypes made and get our first units out to our first customers a couple of years ago. And we came across. Duncan Turner, the, the program director of a, a hardware accelerator in China. It's called Hacks. And he was speaking at the University of Minnesota as part of a, a local group here of the IoT, uh, IoT 
meetup group or IO2T Fuse. And uh, they had invited him to come, and he spoke, and we ended up talking to him for a few minutes. He invited us to apply to Hacks. We didn't think we'd ever move to China, but uh, you know, lo and behold, we were we were accepted into the program. And then, literally six weeks after we had heard him speak on a whim, he was telling us to pack our bags <laughs> to to go to China. You know, six weeks later. And this was not a, not not certainly not in our plans. Uh, you know, I had a job. We had a we had a two year old at the time, and we both had full time jobs. And you know, he said at some point you got to just decide if you're going to do this or not. And now's the time. And we looked at each other and said, you know, this is probably one of those times that's going to define. You that's know, how that's this a goes. dive in, though. That's a dive in for a startup, isn't it? It it absolutely is. Yeah. And, you know, I think you got to just take that take that wave, and when things are going well, use that wave to get that emotional high built in, so that inevitably, when you get the other side of the roller coaster, at least you can kind of ride it through. You got some momentum there <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah, some momentum. So it was a good momentum, uh, you know, builder at that point. We had been doing pretty well for you know nights and weekends work, and felt like we had something, but. I think we we both re we all recognized that to get this really moving, we were going to have to really commit. And so we did. We moved to China for three months, three of us, you know, Anila and myself, and John Pritchard, our lead hardware engineer and co-founder, also moved out there. And it was uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Hacks and our time there. It was hugely helpful for uh, our company. The stage we were at to prototype really quickly to get to market to be able to get to market with a finished product instead of a prototype. Well, and that was uh, obviously when you were moving into the stage of applying for NIH funding then too with yeah. the Minnesota SBR and Pat Dillon's help of saying that makes a big difference. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, we were you know we we had come back from Hacks in in early 2016 and uh, dove right into Pat's course and started thinking about how we could. Um, round out some more funding that way. Mm -hmm. So when you are thinking of this now, uh, and I know that you're still sort of in the midst of it and trying to get everything going, <laughs> but even at this point, you have some advice for people who are thinking about this or thinking about how to help startups. I mean, what are some of the things that you'd say is good advice? Yeah, I, I don't know how good my advice would be. It's, it's very small, so, you know, very anecdotal to our experience, I think, at this point. But you know, I can certainly say, you know, our method, and it really may not be the the, the recommended path, but we, you know, took the idea that we had to get to market as fast as possible, and prototype and do all that stuff very quickly, which China was was helpful for, and then. And, and we couldn't really wait for the NIH process, you know, to to move forward. Um, so we had to think about alternative ways of of standing this company up, and that's what we did. Uh, you know, we we started shipping in 2017. We applied for the grant actually in January of 2017, and we knew it was going to take months. It came back a couple months later, and they said. You scored. You, you actually scored. It was pretty good, but not good enough for funding. So fix these things and come back to us. It took us a few more months to fix those things and 
really think about how we wanted to, to structure this grant in a way that they would uh, approve of, take their feedback and approve it. And we applied in January of 2018. And so now we've just gotten the funding. So it's really been over a year and a half of, of trying to, you know, and you, you do need to show quite a bit um, that, you know, that you have something that's going to work, give them a good, uh, good reason to, to believe that you're the team that can do it. Which, if we had applied three years ago when we just had the idea, you know, I'm sure we would not have gotten anywhere with that grant. Yeah, you filled in a lot more of the space with details and right. a, a specific plan, a vision. So moving forward with the company, I think that all that has helped. You know, chances are uh, people on the review panel, if they're in the space, may have heard of our company, may have understood that we were doing important work for that for this disorder. And I think that that only helps. Well, I'm glad that you found a welcoming community in Minnesota. Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, it made a difference for you, obviously, of being able to make those kind of connections. Absolutely, 100%. So thanks for coming over to talk to us about your experience. We hope to see your application for the Techni Awards and uh, you know, coming out for the event in November. And uh, good luck with everything with Habit Aware. It's a fascinating project. Thank you. And the product is, uh, you know, it's really quite amazing about what the treatment can do. So Samir, in closing, let me send out to our readers some additional information. Do you want to just tell people where they can find out more about Habit Aware? Sure. Uh, you know, our website is a great place to start, habitaware.com, uh, habitaware.com. And, uh, you know, our product not only helps people with trichotillomania or hair pulling disorder, but also sister disorders, which we didn't talk about too much, but skin picking, nail biting, thumb sucking in older children, a lot of these things that people do to themselves uh, don't really recognize maybe that, that it's a part of a, a broader condition, um, but they're, they're real and they affect millions and millions of people in this country. Yeah, and the idea is that the habit aware is going to start moving those behaviors into a different direction and they're able to redirect it. Yeah, just awareness can help um, if the person is so motivated, you know, the, certainly the hard work has to be done by the person of, I have to stop, but having our product there, a tool for awareness, real-time awareness, is, can be a really, really valuable uh, partner in that journey. Great, thanks again. Thank you. All right, so we want to follow up the conversation we just had with Habit Aware with a bit more information about the Minnesota High Tech 2018 Techni Awards. They've actually been around since 1997. We're accepting applications through August 3rd, and we wanted to give our listeners a little bit of insight about how the judging process happens. So Ray, why don't you tell us about us? You had a webinar on Techni Awards applications. That's right. I, uh, I did a webinar along with our events director, Patty Carruth, um, and we talked to anybody interested in Techni Awards and applying. We've got a new uh, uh, application process this year, a new um, uh, format for that. And so we kind of talked through the process and we heard a little bit from um, both uh, a former winner who'd been through the process a couple times and also uh, Carrie Toft, who uh, was a judge, has been a judge for five years, I think. Um, Carrie uh, is a tech leader. She came from Mayo Clinic and she's got some great advice. 
And you can find out more about that at mhta.org. Look under the information for the Techni Awards. I think we've actually got an entire recording of that. Um, so if you have questions about how to apply, um, you can look in and uh, listen to that whole webinar. Um, uh, if you can't find uh, that or you want to reach out to me personally, uh, you can certainly do that and I'll, I'll happily answer any questions you've got about applying for the awards. So here is advice from Carrie Toft, who has judged our Techni Awards about tips for applying for our 2018 Techni Awards. Next, I'm going to be uh, uh, kicking it over to, to Carrie Toft, who is a longtime Techni judge, and we're very happy she's going to be uh, back with us again this year, and she's going to share her experience a little bit about uh, what she looks for um, as uh, as she's looking through some of these applications. Uh, so, Carrie, do we have you online on the line here? Yes, thank you, Ray. Um, so, I have been a, a technique judge probably for you know four to five years, typically in the healthcare uh, sector. Um, we've had few changes over the years, um, having small healthcare niche uh, companies versus large, but I think. Um, you were saying yesterday that they're probably back into the same group. Um, the, the panel members have, have changed a little bit over the years, but we have had a consistent um, group nonetheless. And I wanted to just state that what I'm going to talk about today is just my approach. Um, I'm a, a technology or a IT professional, so my approach is probably a little more analytical than maybe some of the other members on the panel. However, what has been really uh, great to see is that, you know, we really come to the same conclusion with the top three, no matter how we are looking at this. But I want to give you some specifics of how I would approach the application, um, and, and it will help you have a, a fuller application. So if you do review um, the, the questions ahead of time, um, you'll notice, for example, one of the past questions was called business impact. And uh, I believe you prior uh, MHTA is still applying points to these different questions. And when you look at that, business impact happened to have 20 points. Well, I will look at that area, and there are multiple questions within that area. Within that single question, there are four other questions. And what I've seen in the past is, you know, people read the first one. Um, give evidence of educational success date, significant obstacles to overcome, blah, 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 but then they completely ignore the next three questions. So, um, you know, I typically break down when I'm looking at an application, um, I may give four, four points for the first part of the question, four points for the next question, and if you don't answer those questions, um, I have nothing to go on to, uh, to evaluate. The other things that I do is I go out and, and this is something that, this is for more of the content for your application. Um, I will go out and, you know, let's say you have some um, spine uh, surgery um, invent, uh, innovation that you think is different. Well, list why you think it's different because I will go out and, and search um, the internet to see what what are what else is out there in, in that type of arena is this really innovative so make sure you specify why you believe um, your submission is unique and innovation innovative um, 
let's see. Um, I think some of the things that I've noticed um, in the past, um, the, the very last um, question, and I'm not sure if this is still the same this year, but is about uh, project contributors. And I don't know if it's because people have fatigue by the time they get done with filling out the application, um, but I've seen many applications come in that are very cursory and, and they maybe list names, but they don't list you know, more detail on, you know, what did the person really contribute and what is the impact to, to the industry and why this is important. And, and so I think, you know, really being diligent to fully flesh out your application. Um, those that end up in the top three usually have spent time and effort filling out all the questions. And, and I guess that those are, those are my comments. This, this is one of the best events of all year, I think. Minnesota technology. Um, I equate it, you know, Margaret and, and I have continued to try to keep this a, a very fun formal, but it's like the Oscars for IT. Um, so I'm from southern Minnesota and I drive up every year because I think this is such a great event. So I hope people realize that, um, you know, the, you know, if you are a top three, um, you do get a lot of advertising afterwards. So it's well worth, I think, the the time and effort put in to submit an application. Thank you, Ray. All right, thanks, Carrie. And again, final day, we'll be accepting applications. August 3rd, get your applications in. Don't wait until 11.59 p.m. So uh, use your technology, set your schedule, get those apps to keep you on track. And uh, thanks for submitting. Again, more information at mhta.org. So let's check out what's happening in the Minnesota high-tech community with their calendar. Here's a lineup of events. On July 10, Minnesota high-tech is hosting an invitation-only happy hour. It's kind of an unusual event, Ray. It is. Our Global Tech Connect. We've got uh, tech and science businesses interested in expanding trade to Norway and Lithuania. What's going to be happening there, Ray? Well, we've got a couple folks coming in from Norway and Lithuania, along with uh, some folks from the trade office who are going to be talking about an opportunity for companies who are uh, ready to expand to other markets um, about uh, a trip that we're going to be doing in the fall with some of these companies uh, to go explore the, that opportunity in Norway and in Lithuania. Um, and so we're uh, inviting some folks we think are kind of in that category to come and hear both from uh, some of these officials from the different countries and the trade offices uh, but from each other and try to share some experiences and figure out if this is a viable option for them. Now, I know this is an invite-only event, but if you are a tech or science company that's interested in expanding your trade to Norway and Lithuania, um, we, we want to get you there. We want to get you an invite, right? So Ray, right. they should contact you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, reach out to me or my colleague John Dukic, who does uh, uh, policy and research here at MHTA. Um, we'll leave our information in the show notes. Yeah, and again, you can check mhta.org and look for the Global Tech Connect event. So that is in July. Then also in July, we are partnering with Twin Cities Business Magazine for their CIO forum. Sounds kind of interesting. That is also mm -hmm. Tuesday, July 17th. So a week after the uh, Global Tech Connect, um, we get to connect with some CIOs. Um, this event, July 17, is featuring the VP of Technology from the Minnesota Twins. Ray, you know him? 
Yeah, John Avenson, great, uh, great guy. Um, the Twins are doing some great things to support uh, tech here in Minnesota. I'm glad he's uh, he's being recognized at this forum as well. Yeah, and then we have uh, also at that uh, CIO forum we have Tiffany Snyder, who is the CIO for Animal Nutrition at Cargill, and then Anthony Wang, who is CIO for Click Studios. So again, that's July 17th. And you can um, find out more about that at tcbmagazine.com. And this group is going to be talking about the critically important challenges in technology, um, how their companies are approaching data security, AI, mobile devices, and more. So worth your time to uh, take a seat in July for a nice CIO forum with Twin Cities Business Magazine. All right, events for August coming up is we've got our Women Leading in Technology Happy Hour at Allianz on Tuesday, August 21st. So come out and have a fun networking event out on uh, Allianz's beautiful patio. Yep, that's going to be great. Uh, we're looking at uh, trying to find some opportunities for um, uh, engaging with technology with some fun games and things like that. So there, that, those opportunities will be available as well as connecting with uh, other leaders from other companies. So and they have a... That. They have a putting green. Ooh, fancy. And they're going to have their beanbag toss out. So we got that too. Low tech and high tech. Uh, and then on August 28th, we've got our next Lunch and Learn. This is with One Neck IT Solutions. Ray, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, you're going to be able to hear from uh, Katie McCullough. She's a Chief Information uh, Security Officer at One Neck. And she's going to talk about uh, where your investments in cybersecurity will make the biggest impact. Um, you know, how you can maximize your budget. So it's a very interesting discussion, and uh, we're, we're going to encourage folks to, to come out to that. It's usually a member-only event, so if you want to join as a member, you know, let me know, and I can get you into the event for free. All right, and uh, that'll be out at One Nick Solution, IT Solutions offices? Yes. Out in uh, Eden Prairie, I believe. Yep, and we'll uh, leave the uh, uh, information, a link to that event on the show notes as well. So, and then finally, mark your calendars for September 13th. September 13th, that is a Thursday coming up in September. And that's when we're gonna be having our Bids and Bites benefit for the Minnesota High Tech Foundation. Um, this is a really inspirational night. Um, first of all, the setting, it's at uh, the ARIA Center in downtown Minneapolis. It's a really fun space. Beautiful ambiance. Um, and you get to meet the newest group of scholars. Um, this really inspiring stories. Check out one of the stories, or a couple of stories we've got posted at mhga.org. And over the past 10 years now, Minnesota High Tech Foundation has awarded over a half million dollars to That's scholarships. Right. It's really important work that uh, the foundation does. Uh, STEM technology is, is really, uh, it's been booming. Um, you know, workforce is under some pressure, but um, we have a really uh, amazing opportunity to make a difference with these uh, scholarships and with the program. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get involved and uh, do your part. Yeah, so come on out, meet our scholars. Um, and you can also join in the fun of our live auction. We've got some terrific experiences that we're auctioning off, uh, including a return of the most popular experience from our Bids and Bites benefit last year, and that was a ride on a 1948 classic cruiser. And uh, at the captain of the wheel is the owner of the boat, who's Chris Ross. He's the CIO of Mayo Clinic, a great supporter of Minnesota High Tech Foundation and a great supporter of STEM education. So we are back at our Q&A for Tech Hot Dish and right now we welcome one of our own from Minnesota High Tech Association, Pat Dillon, who is the director of Minnesota SBIR. 
Welcome, Pat. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. We're glad to sit down with you and explain what Minnesota SBIR is. So that stands for Small Business Innovation Research. And the other part of that is the other acronym, STTR, is? Small Business Technology Transfer. Okay. Uh, these are funded by the federal government. So why don't you explain a, a little bit about what SBIR and STTR do um, in Minnesota? So both these programs represent about $2.5 billion each year to support research and development in small businesses, and small meaning one employee all the way up to 500 employees, to do research uh, with uh, um, technologies across the spectrum of science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics, and, and we include manufacturing in that category as well. And it's really to help uh, de-risk the technology so that you can get to a new product or service or process that has uh, domestic and international market opportunities. And in this case, it's funding the research to develop that technology to kind of prove its effectiveness or prove that it's workable? Yes, actually it's, it's there to take an idea, a concept, or a project and move it along the research pathway towards commercialization. So much like we think about uh, research that goes on at the University of Minnesota or Mayo Clinic, uh, the same thing is done in small businesses. And small businesses don't have funding in their own, from their own internal sales, or maybe they're a startup and they simply don't have any capital, and it might be too risky for investors to get involved. So America uh, Seed Fund, which is the SBIR and STTR program, is there to support those early stage ideas or concepts that have the potential to be commercialized. And the nice thing about this is that we're talking about federal grants here that go to these small businesses and they don't have to repay them. Well, that is correct. It's non-dilutive funding and it comes in the form of a federal grant or a contract. So depending upon the federal agency, uh, you have either a grant or a contract. But the money does not have to be paid back. So the intent is by, the, by Congress, uh, and which has you know, authorized this program since 1982 and 1992 respectively, is to help seed these really innovative ideas or concepts that have uh, strong commercial potential. And we have got some very successful companies here in Minnesota that have benefited from this program over the years, and then cer certainly nationally, you know, there are some household names that uh, have uh, SBIR or STTR funding in their history. Yeah, so um, we had the opportunity just earlier in the podcast episode here to have a Q&A with one of those startups that's seeking to become another, um, maybe not a household name, but certainly a big name for the people who can use this product and its habit aware. So this is an example of a, a small business. It's um, a, a the uh, two co-founders are seeking research funding to kind of prove how Habit Aware can help to treat the habits that they are um, focusing on. Um, tell us how you kind of get involved with these kinds of small startups. Well, in particular with Habit Aware, uh, a couple years ago I was teaching a course uh, uh, proposal preparation course and one of their um, uh, employees attended the course and based on that multi-week uh, course where we cover a lot of aspects of uh, 
competing for funding through the National Institutes of Health, uh, they were able to hone in on which institute and how much funding and the process of actually preparing and submitting a proposal for consideration by the, the National Institutes of Health. So that was my, my first uh, interaction with uh, HabitAware. And then just recently when uh, they were uh, notified that they were going to be a, a recipient of uh, funding, uh, they had uh, some other additional questions that of course came up as a part of the, the final stages of getting that award. And so we were able to help them address those questions uh, either here or with some consultants that we use that are experts in um, accounting or, or in some cases marketing to, to help them move, move towards that final award and then of course to prepare them to be uh, successful grantees mm -hmm. uh, for the future. Now, and this application process, it is quite the feat to get through this kind of proposal. So that's why you off the course to walk them through these um, preparations to kind of file for the federal funding that they're seeking. And talk to us just a little bit about that. I mean, there's kind of five key steps that you take the companies through in terms of determining their business strategy, and I'll let you take over and explain the rest of this. I mean, what are the kind of the key steps that you have to do? Well, I think we first have to start out with, um, is what's the business case behind the idea, the concept of the project? Uh, in the past, it used to be enough to have a really good idea. However, um, in today's environment, uh, we really have to understand what the business case is and what the commercialization opportunity is. That that may exist four or five years from now, because that's the timeline we're, we're dealing with. So we have to have that in mind first before we step into this arena of uh, seeking federal funding to support our research efforts. So once we've made that determination that there's really a good, a good project here, there's a business case, then we go through the process of actually identifying which agency, uh, and then in particular with the National Institutes of Health, which institute or institutes might be interested in uh, what, what you're working on. And, and then it's a matter of pulling together uh, a sound uh, uh, research strategy or scope of work that uh, addresses the technical feasibility of the idea or the concept. And then um, and pulling together your technical team. And I'm a big proponent of industry and academic research partnerships. Uh, but we also have to keep in mind that not every project will require that. But I'm a big believer that having collaboration with our academic institutions like the U of M or our Minnesota State Universities or in fact, you know, Mayo Clinic or maybe another institution around the country, that that makes a better project and product going into uh, that agency for review and consideration. So when you're working with clients for SBIR, what's the toughest barrier do you think that they face? Is it just sort of, you know, is it, you know, kind of bigger being organized? Is it, you know, kind of on a strategic level being, having this strategic vision? Or is it more sort of into the details of the tactics and kind of following through? Well, I think it's not only SBIR, it's research, it's writing a research proposal that is uh, going to be competitive with all of the other research proposals that are submitted by other small businesses for that, that federal funding. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, this is scholarly work. This is very, I tell folks all the time that they have to write this proposal as if they were at an academic institution. And if you don't live it and breathe it every day, uh, this is a very big hurdle to overcome. So we um, have people that we now can attach or affiliate with a small business if they're really a promising small business to actually help them uh, with uh, the writing of their proposal. I mean, I've done a lot of critiques and reviews and edits over the years. I just simply don't have um, uh, the time, basically, or maybe even in some ways the skill set to, I mean, it, it's a very unique skill set to be able to write a scientific proposal. Mm -hmm. And to do it in a way that's going to be competitive, along with all the other proposals that are submitted. Yeah, because so, I mean, you're you're going up, you're going up against people who are, you know, professors of some particular area from big name universities. I mean, they're the same kind of people who are applying for the funds. Well, they? actually, that's not true. Oh, that's right, because it's so, small businesses. So it's small businesses. So these small businesses only compete with other small businesses. But you mm -hmm. have to understand when you're submitting a proposal to a federal agency, you have to understand who's reviewing it within that agency. So some agencies have outside reviewers, they call that peer review process. Sure. Um, Department of Defense has internal people actually reviewing the proposals and making the decision about which ones to consider for funding. So it's really important for the small business that when they're looking at you know, any one of the 11 federal agencies that participates in the program, they really have to understand what, are, what is their mission uh, how much money do they have? How much do they fund at each of each one of the phases, phase one and phase two? And then what's the review process? Because this will help drive how you're going to prepare your proposal. I encourage people to be very strategic about how they approach this program and to be smart, savvy, and strategic in all that they do so that they get to the winner's circle. Because this is a very, very competitive program. It's a high bar. It's very doable, but you want to be very clear and uh, focused on what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, and this is a great resource for small businesses that have got innovation. Right? I mean, it's the kind of funding that really uh, maybe a lot more companies should be going after because of the value of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most. Uh, most often people say Minnesota doesn't get its fair share, and I say you're absolutely right. So this past fiscal year, fiscal year 17, we, uh, our companies uh, were competitively awarded about $34 million. We should be at $60 million. Because there's $2.5 billion available. There's $2.5 billion yes. uh, available each fiscal year. Now, it was uh, just reported out, actually, just recently, about uh, how 2017 fiscal year compared to average rankings and uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area moved up in rankings in terms of its previous years quite a bit. So we are, we're, we're, we're kind of getting up there, but I mean, who, who are the, I mean, obviously the, the biggies for this kind of program funding and they're going to the East and the West Coast, is that what's happening right now? Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. So the top 10 states are states that uh, certainly include Minnesota, California, Massachusetts, Ohio, Alabama, uh, Texas, 
are in, the, in some of the states that are in the top 10. Maryland, Virginia. And so what do, ha what do all those states have that Minnesota doesn't have? They have military facilities or they have some sort of federal organization that uh, inherently has a spillover effect on the economy. Hmm. So that uh, is a big hurdle for us, I guess, when you think that we don't have a federal lab, per se, in Minnesota. But we still have 18 Fortune 500 companies. We have a phenomenal university system. We have Mayo Clinic, which, you know, Rochester offers tremendous opportunities for the future for SBIR and SCTR funding, which, you know, I spend uh, at least once a month down in Rochester meeting with entrepreneurs and key people at the at the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of potential there. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of potential. Yeah. Yet there's a lot of potential throughout the state of Minnesota. When we look at the number of, or the size of companies, one to 500 employees, you know, we have a lot of small businesses that are in other parts of the state. And they need to be thinking about how am I going to, what products or services are, am I going to provide in the future, five, 10 years from now? Mm -hmm and being able to innovate and maybe use SBIR or SCTR funding in collaboration with an academic institution or maybe even a large company can help us get to those new innovative next generation products. Right, and like you said, I mean, it's great to have um, um, places such as Mayo Clinic, which is a Minnesota High Tech Association member and um, understand the entrepreneurial environment that um, we're trying to build with our science and technology community. Really fostering those entrepreneurs because, like you said, I mean, they could be the next big company that comes through with a real boost for the economy with more jobs and production and stronger um, science and technology foundation for our state's economy. Absolutely. And more investments through uh, angel and venture capital uh, investors. Yeah, so bring your money this way. Let's have some great inventions. Uh, take a look at the kind of invention that HabitAware has. We've got some show notes to link you to some of the additional information on our website. And take a look at our website for more information about Minnesota SBIR. That is at mhta.org. Thanks, Pat, for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Mo. Appreciate it very much. And good luck with the next applications. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech Hot Dish from the Minnesota High Tech Association. If you've got an idea for a podcast. Or would like to become a member. We would sure like to get you some more information. And for more information about the topics you heard on the episode today, uh, check our website at mhta.org. Or the show notes. I'm Mo Schreiner. I'm Ray Hoover. We are at Minnesota High Tech Association, and we'll be back for more helpings of Tech Hot Dish soon.